Let us pray. Gracious God, as we come to your word, we ask you to open our hearts and our minds that we may love you with all that we are and all that we have, holding nothing back. Bless this time of reflection. May it serve to grow your kingdom and to bring much glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we continue today on our theme, on our series of um, the letter of James. And today we're going to pick up the theme in part or in full. Now, just to recap a little bit here, James is the earliest book written in the New Testament, earlier than the Gospels, even than Mark's Gospel. And so we're getting a really raw sense of what the church was wrestling with at that time, um, how it was going, some of the issues that they were facing and the dilemmas that they were having to work through as a community of faith as they were discerning who they were going to be and what it meant to be followers of Jesus in their daily lives. So really helpful for us. And just a little reminder that James comes in this, what we call a chiastic structure of three particular themes. So it starts with one theme, moves to another theme, moves to another theme, repeats that, then moves back and then moves back again. The first theme is trials in the Christian life, but they, they're kind of all through each other anyway, through, threaded through, woven throughout. But trials in the Christian life, wisdom and riches and poverty, how we live out the Christian life every day when the rubber hits the road, if you like, in a very Australian colloquial way of putting it. So today is week four in our series and we're on chapter two. I'm a fairly visual person and my diary and my online calendar are colour coded so that at a glance I can see exactly how my day or my week or even my month looks and what area of my life or my ministry I'll be focusing on at a particular time. And I find this really helpful, especially when I inevitably have to move things around for the unexpected and the urgent. I think that was probably why I really went to an electronic calendar because it's uh, you can't rub out things too many times and move them, but you can just drag it across and move it on a calendar on your computer. So I find that really good. Now, not only does this keep me organised, well, it helps to keep me organised <laughs> and it keeps me focused, but it enables some sense of compartmentalization, I suppose we could say, so that I can prioritise my time and my energy for the many and varied things that I'm juggling. So I find having a colour coordinated calendar right in front of me really helpful. Compartmentalisation works in a diary or a calendar, but it has limited usefulness in our relationship with God and in our daily living as a follower of Christ. I really encourage you this week to get a big piece of paper or you might have an old diary or calendar or planner lying around. I'm sure we've got some from last year and this year with a lot of empty pages in them. Find a nice big blank page, a week to a view, and sit down and have a go at this. I want you to visualise your week. 
spread out in front of you, all in glorious colour. How much of your time and your energy is focused on each compartment of your life? Let's say, hypothetically, you ascribe the colour green to the time that you spend with friends, with clubs like Probus or a sports club or something else, and socialising. Now, probably this week's calendar might look a lot different to last week's calendar as we finally come out of lockdown. But have a think about that. Let's just say that's going to be green for just hypothetically. You might use purple for family. Now, the time that you spend in person with family, on the phone, on emails or letters or cards, on FaceTime or Zoom or whatever, depending on your circumstances. You could use yellow for home tasks like cooking and cleaning and paying the bills and doing the washing. You could use red for relaxation or leisure, for reading or doing puzzles or craft or gardening, whatever it is that you do. You might want to choose orange for all the time you spend on social media or surfing the internet or reading magazines. You know what you spend your time on. So go ahead and allocate colours to each of them. Now go back and depending on whether you're looking back on last week or you're planning for the coming week, fill in all the times you spend in prayer, reading the scriptures, talking with other Christians about your faith, worship, serving on ministry teams, and hypothetically, let's allocate blue to all of those things. Now sit back and take a look. What do you notice? How much blue can you see? Is it just an hour on a Sunday morning? Or actually, it's not there every week because sometimes other things come up or... I just didn't feel like that that week. Or is there a solid thread of blue running through your week, holding it all together? Or just maybe a random patch here or there? In our modern era, monastic life often gets put down as irrelevant. But the daily rhythms that they participate in are the key. Contemplative prayer and the rhythms around that are designed not to compartmentalise our life, but to integrate it more fully. And these rhythms enable us to stay connected to God at all times, so that whether, whatever we might have to do, and trust me, nuns and monks work very hard, whatever we have to do, we do as an act of prayer and connection with God. Both set times for prayer and Bible reading and carrying God with us throughout the day are important, but both are needed. James is speaking today about to the church community about how they treat each other. What happens, to use that term again, when we're bumped by social norms, by hierarchies, by entitlement, either in other people or within ourselves, by prejudice or favouritism. 
because these things do bump us quite regularly. Think about your personal reactions to the emphasis on vaccination status that we're living with at the moment and how you've begun to view other people who may have a differing opinion to you. We have an innate tendency to view some people differently from others or from ourselves. And let's face it, we don't usually even notice when we're doing it, when it's happening. Well, James was writing to a cultural setting very early in the church. Remember that, it really helps to know that. It's pretty raw still. Christians were still seen as a sect of Judaism. The synagogue is, was often used as a court because the religious leaders were the ones entrusted with justice in the community, in the Jewish community. And the justice system, like everything else, was very heavily biased towards the wealthy. Often they would take a poor person to court if they hadn't repaid a debt and they would be beaten or worse. We see something of this in the first part of our reading today. There's a wealthy man invited to sit in a place of honour. A poor man made to stand or to grovel at the feet of those deciding his fate. The wealthy had legal representation and advocacy and the poor didn't. In some ways, things have not changed much in our time and culture. But it's still a far cry from the teachings of Jesus. Roman and Jewish social structures were very clear and they were carefully maintained and preserved. Old money had precedence. New money could buy their way up the social ladder and into positions of power and status. This was seen all the time in local governance. You actually bought the right to lead, to serve, well, not so much serve, but to rule over people. And it cost you a lot of money. There were guilds, very important guilds, not like trade unions, more like social clubs, but with very strict rules about belonging. These guilds were there for trades and for commerce. And these traditions even took place during worship. The Pharisees, the Sadducees and the scribes were highly respected positions. And along comes Jesus, the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. And he starts preaching about love and equality and mercy and justice, especially for the underprivileged and those ignored and abused by social structures. The church began as a countercultural movement. We hear from the book of Acts. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. 
day by day as they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It's one of the reasons that the Romans persecuted the Christians because they spoke out against Roman social norms and structures. It's one of the reasons that the Jewish leaders did not like Jesus and did not like the early church because they spoke out against the social norms and the structures. And a little bit later, we hear Paul speaking into these same issues. When he wrote to the Galatians, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Radical stuff really radical. We find it hard to get our heads around because we can't even conceive of what it's like to have slaves. But here in James and in many other times in Paul's writings, we see that they kept losing their way. They kept straying from the path and slipping back into old patterns of behaviour. James is pretty harsh in his criticism of their behaviour and reminding them to adjust the balance knob again. Remember I spoke about the balance knob? Where do we see ourselves? Let's just be thinking about that. And to step back and look through the lens of Jesus. Favoritism and discrimination are antithetical to the gospel. If we're not careful, if we're not looking through the lens of Jesus, but begin to go back to old habits of looking through the lenses of culture and social norm, we can allow ourselves to mirror the standards and the very culture that oppress us. If we're not careful, just like the early church, we can find that the church begins to be seen as another option for social climbers to achieve status and recognition. That's what was happening. That's the situation that James was speaking out so vehemently against. The church that represents Jesus, that lives out his teachings and is 100% committed to following his ways, has to be countercultural in not only our willingness, but in our wholehearted desire and commitment to live differently. To see and treat every person, regardless of gender, age, race, status, financial position, physical or mental appearance or ability or disability or health, and every single person as equal and worthy of love. 
and even more importantly, to be seen to live that out through all the colour codes of our week, not just a little blue bit on some Sunday mornings. The Christian faith is not just about outward appearances. It's not about form or structure or allegiance. It's more than a profession or a statement of faith, but it's a lifestyle, a commitment that is lived out on a daily basis. As theologian Tom Wright says, Christian faith has to do what it says on the packet. It has to do what it says on the packet. And James picks up a central theme here, which is also the core of our gospel reading today. The Shema. In Hebrew, the word means listen and hear mixed in together. The Jewish confession of faith, and it's made up from three scriptural texts, from two from Deuteronomy and one from Numbers. And together with appropriate prayers forms an integral part of the evening and morning worship services for Jewish people, even today. Pious Jews hope to die with the words of the Shema on their lips. It is whispered into the ear of newborns. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Belief in the one God, and as Christians we understand that one in God, one God in three and three in one, we understand that in Trinity, is still one God. Belief in the one God, the God of everything, cannot be lukewarm and it cannot be part-time. The God of heaven and earth, the God of all time and all space. We cannot worship such a God half-heartedly. Our Christian commitment cannot be in part. It must be in full. Or it's not a Christian commitment. During our service before, we sang the creed. The word creed means I believe. It comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. But even more, it means I believe in and I am willing to give my life for. Puts a whole new twist on it when we think about it that way. It is not enough to just believe that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. It's not even enough to believe that Jesus lived and died or even that he rose again. Being a follower of Christ means that we believe in Jesus, in the one God made manifest as a human being and the one who continues to live in us as Holy Spirit. Well, how will such a faith be evidenced? Not by what we say, but by how we live. 
Primarily, it will be seen in how we love God and how we love our neighbours. It's about relationship. And it's about faith in action. What we think of God and what we believe of God is directly mirrored back to us in how we treat God and how we treat others. And even more confronting than that, it's shown to everyone else who watches what we do over and against what we say. Jesus cuts through all our distractions, all our preoccupations with ourself and all our preoccupations with what the world tells us is important. Jesus cuts right through all of that and points us straight to the heart of the law of the one God. The two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. Everything you have, everything you are, everything you do. And love your neighbour as yourself. Everything else is just window dressing. Faith in action. We need to remind ourselves constantly. Listen and hear. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. The Lord of all is our God and is revealed in Jesus. Echoing his message last week, James is reminding us again today that as Christ followers, we must walk the talk and not just pay lip service to our faith or compartmentalise it into one colour occasionally. James is at pains to ensure that we're living out in action what we profess, and it cannot be done part-time. Being a follower of Christ is a full-time commitment from which everything else flows. Next week, we continue with James and we explore the theme, my way or the highway. So watch this space. The Lord be with you.